Welcome to everyone today. If you are a guest with us today, we are so thrilled to have you in service with us today. Pray that the Spirit of the Lord touches you today. You're joining us online this morning, wherever you're watching from. We pray that you are blessed by this service today as well. Jesus' name. We do have service this evening at 6, and there will be uh, food for sale again after service tonight in the fellowship hall. Any proceeds from that will go towards our new foyer. So if you want to make plans to fellowship a little bit after service tonight, you are encouraged to do so. I want to read one verse to you. As I begin this morning, and I, I would suspect that there's at least a few people that have this verse memorized, and uh, I would strongly encourage you, if you don't know this verse by heart, I think it's one of those verses that you really need to commit to memory, because it's one of those verses that can be a benefit many, many times. Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. Jeremiah 29 and 11. The word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah simply says this, I know, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Almost every time I read that verse, I can sort of hear God saying it this way. Don't tell me what I think about you. And I say that because most of us, what we think most of the time His thoughts are towards us personally are negative. So He says, I know. I know what I think about. You may not really know. You may not really believe what I think about you, but I know what I think about you. And, and here are the thoughts, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. The next time you or the enemy tries to tell you what God thinks about you is bad. You just need to quote Jeremiah 29 and 11. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you, to give you an expected end. The Amplified says it this way. I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. To give you hope in your final outcome. The New Living Translation says it this way, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. 
They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. If I knew then what I know now. If I knew then what I know now. God, thank you so much for your wonderful presence in this place today. Thank you, God, for your spirit that is working throughout this sanctuary, touching and ministering to hearts and lives, and I know, God, that you are not finished what you want to do in this place today. And I trust and believe today, God, that you desire to speak to hearts and lives this morning. So I pray, God, that there would be ears to hear, hearts to receive what you would say. I I come against every spirit of fear, doubt, every accusation, every lie from the enemy that would work against your word this morning. Let there be faith in every heart to hear and receive what you desire to say. I trust you this morning. I depend upon you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I would venture to say there is not an adult in this place, especially those that are 30 plus, <laughs> that are don't have some things that you have thought, if I knew then what I know now. But in that context, we usually say it in the context of if I knew then what I knew now, I'd make some different decisions. I'd have done it differently. I'd have done it better. And that's all well and good. But that's not the context this morning. So I, I want you to just kind of put that one out of your mind. Because I, I would suspect there's probably somebody that when I said that, you thought, oh boy, here we go. I got a feeling that as long as we're on this earth, we're going to look back at different seasons of our lives, no matter how old we were, and say, if I knew then what I knew now. And the bottom line is, you probably knew then what you knew now. But time and experiences cause you to maybe listen more and more to what you know. But I'm, I'm here this morning to preach it, and I guess this kind of the punchline, I'm I'm here this morning to preach it in the context of why are you worrying about the future? Why are you fretting over tomorrow? Because God has for you an expected end. At the end of the day, I, I, I feel like the, the hope, the blessing the assurance of eternal life has become less and less significant to us and we've become more and more wrapped up in an enjoyable, peaceable life here and now. 
And I, 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 I preached, I forget, I, for, I had a title, I don't remember what the title, but I preached several months ago a little bit along these lines that it's, the, the, the destination is way more important than the journey. And the bottom line is, what are you more interested in, an enjoyable journey or an enjoyable destination? So I, I, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, if nothing else, your expected end ought to be eternal life. And everything else between then and here is just a bonus. Jesus said it. In this world. Not you might. Not maybe. In this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to go through problems. You're going to have disappointments. You're, you're going to be mistreated. Life's not always going to be fair. It's going to happen. But he said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Last night I was watching a little bit of college football. And some of you won't understand what some of this means. I don't have time to explain it to you. And, Probably in the big scheme of things, it's not really all that important. But yesterday, number one college-ranked football team, Georgia, the Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs were playing against Missouri, an unranked team. And at the end of the first half, Georgia was down 16-6. to 16-6, Missouri, the unranked team, Georgia, the former defending national champions. Right? It wasn't Alabama, right? It's always Alabama. Considered to be the number one team, according to the rankings, in college football was trailing to a team that is not even ranked. They went into the locker room at halftime losing. But Brother David, who cares? Because the final score last night was Georgia won. I think they only won by four points, but they won. Nobody cares that at this point Missouri was leading in the first half. Who cares that there was an upset in the making? There was no upset. We don't celebrate upsets in the making. We only, ups, we only celebrate upsets. So some of you are a little bit too worried about the first quarter. Some of you are more focused on the third inning. Who cares if you're winning in the third inning? What matters is what's the final score. So I can tell you this morning, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that I have a hope that one day I'm going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord, because when you enter into those joys, they're going to last forever. They're not going to fade. They're not going to be taken away. There should be hope in an expected end. And it's a good end. It's a good outcome that God has planned for you. I think some of you could believe easier that God was going to give you a million dollars this week than to, for some of you to believe that what God has planned is a good outcome 
Because you've messed up and you've made mistakes and you've done things that you know you shouldn't have done. You did things you knew better. But can I tell you this morning, there's not one decision you've ever made. There's not one mistake you've ever made. There's not one sin you've ever committed that God did not know from the very beginning you were going to make that mistake, commit that sin, and He still planned and expected outcome for you. What He's planned, that's the... That's the guarantee. You know what? Most of us spend all kinds of time fretting and worrying about today because we're not confident in the outcome. If I knew then what I know now, there's some things in my life, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have been fretting over them. I wouldn't have been dealing with anxiety and depression over them because I've seen the outcome now. I've seen that in spite of how hopeless it looked, God had a way when there seemed to be no way. This really, at the end of the day, is not the most major and significant of issues in life, but it's, a, it's an example that fits. Two weeks ago, tomorrow... Nathaniel and I left for England to be with the Hemuses and be in Liverpool and the church there. And, and I, I, I don't know, it was a weird thing for somehow the Delta app. I thought we were leaving on Monday at 2.40 and then Sunday morning I got up and it said we were leaving at 6 something Monday night. And so I'm telling everybody, my family, here things have changed. And then I got... I think that later that evening before church, I checked it again, and now it said 2.40 again. So, And it happened again so I could show others so I knew I wasn't just losing my mind. And I have further confirmation that it wasn't just me because last Monday morning, we uh, technically early afternoon, our flight was to leave from... Uh, England, London, England to come back home and we were going through Atlanta and then Atlanta to Baltimore and and I think it was somewhere before it was, before, I think it was earlier that morning, Nathaniel had checked and according to what his uh, ticket was saying, we were on different flights from Atlanta to Baltimore. And sadly for him, the one it was saying was on was three more hours later than the one I was supposed to be on, which was already a three-hour layover. So I texted my wife and I said, here's the information. Can you please call Delta and see if somehow you can get him on my flight? And There was some things that making the arrangements, I won't get into all, bore you with all the details, but I had to book two different tickets. and so. But I thought, I, I thought I picked all the right flights. I've messed up enough times to know it's possible that I, but I really thought, man, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm stressing because I'm like, man, poor kid, we got to sit on an airplane for nine hours, and 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 then he's going to have another six hours, and 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 I I know it's, this is not the most important thing in life, but but I pray God, please somehow let this let this work out, and actually I think it was all. It may have been even the night before because I got word from my wife before we left that 
uh, you, the flight's already in process and you can't do any changes, you'll have to go to the counter. And so, man, I periodically throughout that flight, I'm thinking, man, I, this, uh, I was feeling bad. I have to leave him behind. Not, I mean, he's capable. He flies by himself. I just three more hours. He was supposed to going to get in at 1 a.m. We got there and went straight to the Delta counter and went up to the counter and told her what everything was saying. She pulls up his ticket. She says, he's on the same flight as you. She had some explanation that made no sense to me, but the bottom line is, if I would have known, the moment he told me, I'm on a different flight, if I'd have known what I was going to be told at Atlanta, I'd have never thought about it. I'd have never worried about it one second. But I didn't know in London what I knew in Atlanta. I come to tell somebody today, there's some things you're going to find out in Atlanta that you didn't know in London. But you might as well start believing I have an expected end. And God is the one that's in control of my end. It's not the devil. It's not life. It's not chance. It's not luck. But God is the one that has determined that I have an expected end. So you know what I'm going to just do? I'm going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Because no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, there is an expected outcome that God has already decided for me. I got a question. Did anybody pull up into the parking lot this morning and park your car and go, wow, how did I get here? Unless you're a guest and never been here before, you knew what you were looking for. You knew what to expect. You, you knew what it was going to look like when you pulled up in the parking lot. God knows. In fact, God knows the end from the beginning. He calls those things that are not as though they were. I got a question. Is there anybody here today, I'm not talking about just wishing, and some of us, I've got some things that I'm wishing God will do. But I mean, anybody got some promises from God today that you know it's not just your wishful thinking, but God has confirmed those promises to you of what He's going to do in your life or through your life or for you. Anybody got some today? You don't have to raise your hand about this part, but how many of you are struggling to believe they're going to happen? Because you don't know now what you're going to know one day. Because right now you've got a promise, but you don't know exactly how or when or where. But one day you're going to get to the expected end, and you're going to look back and see God really did have it all in control. If I just knew then what I know now. This word, this word expected is, I, I discovered this a couple of years ago. This, 
This word expected is a really interesting word to me. Because if, if, if you just think of the word expected, hopefully I don't mess something up here. This is only plugged in at one end. So. If, you, if you look at that word expected and think of the word expected from the context that you and I think of the word expected, you, you think of an expected end. That's, that's, that's what you're imagining. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're envisioning, the expected end. But that word expected, the meaning of the word expected there is not really what that word means. The word expected there in the Hebrew means a cord. A cord. Come here, Matt, help me out. I don't want to make this awkward, so if you would... Wrap this around your waist. There we go. Just kind of tie it off a little bit there. There we go. He said, I know. I know what I think about you. It's good thoughts. It's thoughts of peace to bring you to an expected end. Accord. That hope is a cord that's wrapped around me. And God is the one who's got the other end. And no matter what's going on around me, God is pulling me. No matter if I'm in the storm and the winds are blowing against me, God has got me attached to a cord and he's pulling me to an expected end. I tried to find it this morning. I've told this before and I've used this before. I tried to find the video this morning and I couldn't find it. But, but uh, uh, several years ago now, I think it was, I saw a, a, a video posted on Facebook and, and, and the basic Gist of the video was it was it was somebody was standing on the on on the the the, the uh, stern. That's the back part, right? That's the back part of the boat, right? You'd think with a dad in the navy, I'd have all that memorized. But the, 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 it was a video that was looking out the back of the boat, very large boat, and really a bit looked classified as a ship. And out on the horizon were some of the biggest waves that I've ever seen in a video. And at first, all you're looking at is the waves, the storm. But after a moment or two, what you begin to recognize is out on the horizon of some of those massive waves, there is this small boat that was not built for that kind of storm. And the closer you look, you start to notice there is a cable that is attached from the big ship to the little boat. And while the little boat doesn't have the power and the strength to get through the storm, it hasn't expected 
It's got a cord that is pulling it to its destination. Can I tell you today, when you surrender your life and live in a place of surrendering your life to God, He's got a cord that's wrapped around you. And it doesn't matter how big the waves are. It doesn't matter how contrary the wind is. He is going to pull you to that expected end. I know what I think about you. They're good thoughts. They're not evil thoughts. And I am bringing you to an expected outcome. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. 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 Energy is not the scarce commodity in our world. (laughs) Food is not the thing to be worried about. The thing we are lacking in our world. The thing that there's a shortage of in our world. And I'm sad to say, and I watch this, I'm sorry to say it this way, but I watch this in 2020. That in the church, there's a scarceness of peace. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever I pray in fathomless billows of love. Peace is what causes me to be settled no matter what's going on. Peace is what causes me to be settled no matter what the doctor says. Peace is what causes me to be settled no matter what my bank account looks like. That peace causes me to be settled no matter what the circumstances are. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now watch this. I know many of you know these next couple of verses, but, but really the same thing I said about Jeremiah 29 and 11 applies to these verses because this is a verse, verse 3 and 4 is uh, 3, 4 and 5. Really, it, I believe it's a continuous cycle that we live in. I know there's some of you, there's probably a few of you here today, you are made from a different cloth, as they say. I went to school, I went to college for one reason. I had to. I studied to pass tests because that was the only way to get out. If I knew then what I knew now, probably would have learned a whole lot more. I know some of you, please, all of you young people, don't don't use me as your excuse with your parents. You heard what Pastor right now? No, no. Because if I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have done it differently. But I don't understand you people that like to be career students. 
I want to be a career student, just not at college. I try to keep learning on a regular basis. I just don't want to do it in the classroom. I couldn't wait for the day. I heard people, I'm going for a master's in this, and I'm going for a master's in that. Have fun. I wanted to get done. There are, there are things like that in life that you complete, you're finished, you're done with. But hear me today. Somebody needs to hear me right now. There, there is no graduation. It's only a promotion from one grade to the next. I, I remember faintly becoming more and more faint but I remember faintly you know when the first couple of years of school and my kids would come home from school and they'd have homework in kindergarten and first grade and and they're sitting there stressing out about how hard it is I'm like this is so easy but it really was to them it was hard if you're a sixth grader in sixth grade, supposed to be in sixth grade, it might be challenging. If you're in 12th grade, you really should be smarter than a fifth grader. Because every year, the material gets more challenging. Some of you don't understand the process. You're like, man. I thought that was tough. This is it. Yeah, because you passed fifth grade. Now you're in sixth. Some of you are on your doctorate degrees with some spiritual things. So, so let's listen to what Paul says. We, we have access by faith into, the, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory. Now watch this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died. For the ungodly. Amplified says it this way, verse 3. Moreover, let us also be, be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles. And rejoice in our sufferings. I don't understand why y'all are sitting there staring at me. I'm shocked that no one is standing and clapping and running and... We re- Paul said we, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce anxiety, despair, frustration. We have the Amplified. And, and, I mean, surely that's what it produces, Right? Let me read that again. We know that, that uh, uh, sufferings and troubles, we, we know that pressure and affliction, they, they produce, and hardship produces anxiety and depression and worry and, and fear, right? Isn't, isn't that what they produce? Isn't that what they produce? Isn't that what some of you have? 
But is that what Paul says? Those things produce patient and unswerving endurance. How is there an unswerving endurance? Because in spite of what's going on, I'm being pulled to an outcome. I've got a destination that I am being pulled to. So therefore, I'm not going to be worried. I'm, I'm not going to have anxiety. I'm not going to have fear because I have an expected end. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Spirit who has been given to us. Tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so I go through some tribulation that produces some patience, that gives me experience, so I have hope. And then God brings me through that. So when I move up a grade... And I go through the next tribulation, which is going to be more difficult than the last one. I've asked this question numerous times throughout my ministry, but I'll ask it again today. How many of you are going through something right now that you feel like is the most difficult thing you've ever gone through? Anybody? A couple of you. It is the most difficult circumstance and situation you've ever had to deal with. Those of you that just raise your hand over, would you put them back up for a second? I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I need you to help me. Those of you that have your hands up, how many of you can think back to the last big thing you went through? I got a question. Was that thing the most difficult, challenging thing you'd ever been through? How about the thing before that, if you can still remember it? Was that thing more challenging than the last thing? Notice the pattern. Man, this is the most difficult thing I've ever been through. I thought the last thing was bad, but this one. You're probably saying the same exact stuff with this thing that you said with the last one. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I I know God's supposed to be in control, but I don't know how God's going to work this out. If you'd go back to the last thing, that's all the same. Nothing new. Same thoughts, same questions, same fears, same doubts. But here's the problem you're missing. What you're supposed to do now is kind of what Samson did and shake yourself. Wait a minute. Let me go back to that last thing and what I was thinking and feeling in the last thing. And guess what God brought? I didn't know how, but God brought me through that. I didn't know what he was going to do, but he made a way. So if he did it for that one, he can do it for this one. (laughs) 
I got to, I got to quit. Anybody realize God's been doing this a whole lot longer than you? <laughs> Jacob, he's my son-in-law. If you don't know that, he's in paramedic school. We crossed paths the other day. He, he was, he was, he had had his. They, they were pr- practicing. I'm sure a bunch of you are nurses and all that. You've done this, but I, I, I guess I never thought of this. But he came, he, he, he was practicing. They had spent the day practicing on poking each other with needles. I'm sorry. I know everybody's got to learn. But please learn on somebody else. Don't be learning how to get the IV in on me. I want it done the first time. All I want to feel is that slight little prick. That's it. Nothing more. God's not practicing on you. Whatever the trial is you're going through right now, it's not the first time God's ever had to figure it out. Whatever valley you're in right now, it's not the first time God's had to figure out how to get somebody through a valley. I can promise you today, whatever it is you're dealing with, He's seen it before and worse. So you just need to believe, I have an expected end. God is in control. Let me read those verses to you from the Passion Translation. Verse number 1 says it this way, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and He now declares us flawless in His eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has been given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, Even in times of trouble. Even in times of trouble. We have a joyful confidence. Knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. You know, there's a danger, I think, in picking out from translations the thing you like. But as long as you keep some proper things in mind, I think it's okay. I love the way the Passion Translation says that. This this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Fantasy. Some of you have got some hope. 
for some things that God has put inside of you. It's not a fantasy. It's not just a dream. Patient endurance will refine our character and proving character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Job says in Job 42 and verse 5, I've heard of you with my ear. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. Paul tells us faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. All faith has to start with the word of God. And all faith begins with hearing. But God's goal in every single life is to take you from faith based on hearing to now seeing. Because I got to tell you, a faith, and I know faith starts with hearing. But a faith that is based on hearing alone is a shakable faith. But when you've moved past just hearing to seeing with your own eyes, you might be able to talk me out of believing what I've only heard about. But you're not going to talk me out of believing what I have seen God do with my own eyes. Can I tell you young people something today? It all starts with hearing. If your parents are in the church, it starts with not just hearing from the pulpit, but hearing the stories and the testimonies of what God's done for your parents. But at some point, God wants to take what you've heard them talk about that He's done for them, and He wants you to see it with your own eyes. But here's the problem. From a human perspective, the problem is to be able to see it with your own eyes, you got to go through some things. You don't get your own testimony unless you've had your own tests. You didn't get a a degree or a diploma because somebody else passed the test. They didn't pass out degrees and at the end of my college years because one person passed the test. No, you got to pass your own tests. But when you pass your own test, what does the scripture tell us in Revelation? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I've got a grandmother sitting here today in her 90s that got saved when she was in her early teens. And I've heard a bunch of her testimonies. I got three other grandparents that had passed on that had a bunch of testimonies. 
And now I've got two parents that have a bunch of testimonies. But I'm not the pastor here today because of my grandmother's testimonies and my parents' testimonies. All that did was inspire me that if God did it for them, He can do it for me. If God was able to help them, He can help me. If God could make a way for them, God can make a way for me because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know, it it kind of blows my mind. (laughs) There is no human being that lacks faith. None. The issue is not a lack of faith. The issue is where you're willing to put your faith. The bottom line is this. Every single one of you that are sitting right now, you are exercising faith. I got a question. How many of you, before you sat down this morning, anybody, did anybody do that? I, I didn't think so. No, you just, well... <laughs> Why? Because you had faith. You had, you had faith that somebody you've never met had enough character, integrity to build a chair that you could trust. I think we may have a record this morning. For being in service the soonest after a wedding. Congratulations to Charlene and Zena. They got married Friday night. Brother Charlene works as a flight attendant. I got a question, Brother Charlene. Has, have you ever had any passengers that when they got on the plane called you over to them and said, Hey, tell me about the pilot. Tell me when he got his training. Tell me where he was last night. Do you know how much sleep he got? Did you, did you smell his breath to see if there was any alcohol on it? You ever had that happen? I didn't think so. I've never seen it happen. I've never done it. I got on a, I got on air. I mean, the bottom line is wherever you, but I just something about knowing you're about to be over the middle of the Atlantic. I walked onto an airplane two weeks ago, sat down in my seat, buckled the seatbelt, never thought one time about the pilot. We don't have a problem with faith. But how sad is it? How sad is it that you will sit down on an airplane with a complete stranger flying it, trusting that he is capable and qualified to take you where you need to go? This dude has some of the coolest hair of any kid I have ever seen. No. No. The bottom line is, the moment you pull out of your driveway, you are a person that's full of faith. 
How in the world can we trust a pilot to fly a plane that we don't know him? Trust drivers on the road with us that we've never met. And you can't trust that the King of Kings and the Lord, the one that's got nail-pierced hands, the one that's got a, 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 a back that was beaten free, you can't trust Him to get you to where you need to go and to be in control of every circumstance. And It's not crazy to have faith in Him. That's the most reliable thing to have faith in. No, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the amplified. I'm, 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 I'm quitting. The amplified says that verse this way. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I meant to bring one actually and do this, Probably going to only, was only going to do about $20, $25. Don't get too excited that you missed something. But if I came in here with a check and I wrote out on that check, Tommy Parker, $25, signed the check. Is, is that check cash in your hand? But if you trust the one that's writing the check and believe that they have the money to cover the check, do you stress about the check? No. In fact, you may, hey, I got, I, got, I got $25. No, you have a check. Take that check up to Safeway after church and try to get groceries with it. Is that check worth $25? Absolutely. But is it the $25? No. It's the substance. It's the evidence of what you have not seen. Can I tell you today, if you would just decide, I'm going to have faith. And my faith becomes the evidence that I need. I may not see it right now. I may not have it in hand right now, but my faith is the evidence of what I am hoping for. What's there to fear? What's there to worry about? We went around this room this morning, had every one of you tell, what is it, what is, what's, what's the problem you're dealing with right now? What are you going through right now? What is your most difficult situation? E- every one of us has something. I, 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 we're supposed to be going to our, our organization's national conference this week, and it's in Florida. Unless you've had your head in the sand all week, you know Florida's had a rough week. I, I, I got, I, 
in fact, I, I, I essentially said this in the message to the Airbnb we're staying at. I really feel bad for emailing you this and asking you. I'm just trying to find out if my vacation plans are still good. People's lives have been devastated. They've lost everything, but I need to know if I'm... I mean, I, I, honestly, I sincerely felt badly. So if we went around this room and, and each one of you told some of you, you, you hit your toe on the door this morning and it hurts. That's, that's kind of the extent for you. And then there's others. Wow. you're going through it's beyond imaginations one of those things that unless you've been there you definitely don't understand here's one of the things that I appreciate so much about God is when you bring whatever your situation is to God you start to pour out your stuff to him he doesn't respond and say Really? Are you kidding me? You're talking to me about that? Let me tell you about what this person's... Let me tell you about what they're going through. You want me to help you with this? And look, you just need to suck it up. And That's not the way God does. Whatever your stuff is, it's your stuff. And it may seem small compared to somebody else's, but God's not looking at you compared to others. He's looking at you with the cord He's got attached to you. And if you'll just make up your mind, because He's not going to pull you against your will. He, he, he's, he's not going to fight against you. That cord doesn't get wrapped around you to get you to an expected end with you fighting against it. That cord gets wrapped around me when I say, God, I, I surrender. I surrender my life. I surrender my will. I, I surrender it all to you. I, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live how you want me to live. I, I want your word. I want your spirit to be in control of my life. It's so sad how many people only in times of trouble or need, turn to God. I want that when the sun is shining, and there's not a cloud in the sky, when it's a beautiful day, I want that cord pulling. Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. And I might not have tomorrow to get ready when trouble comes. So no matter what's going on today, good or bad, I want to be connected to that expected end that God has for me. And it is a good end. I you to stand, if you would, please. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to want to give an invitation this morning to those of you that are maybe you're not in the worst thing you've ever been through but you're dealing with some you're going through some difficulties. 
may not be the worst storm of your life, but you're in a storm. It may not be the biggest challenge you've ever faced, but you got some challenges. And I, I want to invite you to, to get out of your from where you're sitting. Walk down to this altar this morning to say, God, here I am. I want that expected end, God. I want to be connected to you in such a way that no matter what the trials, no matter what the storms, no matter what the ups and downs that I may go through, I I can have the confidence that you're going to pull me through it and that the outcome you are taking me to is going to be a good outcome. You've never made up your mind to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Oh, you're missing out in so many ways. What a great day to make up your mind. God, I, I want to give my life completely to you. This is, this is a crazy world we're living in. There's, there's all kinds of uncertainty. There's all kinds of unknowns. We, we have no idea what's going to happen from one day to the next. And so, God, I, I definitely cannot be putting my trust in man. I, I definitely can't be putting my trust in other humans. And so, God, I, I want to surrender my life completely to you and trust that you're going to bring me to the expected end that you have. Would you, would you just bow your head and close your eyes if you're, if you're remaining in your seats? If, if you don't feel like you need to respond for yourself would some of you come and join with some of these folks that have come to the altar this morning would you minister to them let the Lord minister through you to them come on I believe God wants some people to leave this place today with a confidence in the, in, in the outcome that God has for your life I know it doesn't look good maybe where you are right now I know all you can see is the storms. All you can see is the waves that you you, you're not you don't have what it takes. You're in over your head, but if there is if there's a cord, if there's a cord connected, God can pull you through. God can get you through. I know it looks impossible. It feels impossible. But I'm here to tell you today, God, God can bring you to the expected end. In the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus. You did not create me to fear. In the name you of Jesus. Me to worship daily. I'm going to leave it all. I'm going to leave it all. on. You, some of you have no idea. I don't mean this unkindly. It's not intended to be a snarky remark. I mean it sincerely. Some of you have no idea what some people in this room right now are dealing with. 
some of you have no idea the degree of what some people are dealing with in this place right now. If, if you don't need to pray for yourself, even just right where you are, would you pray that God would touch and help those in this place right now that need it? Oh, God, there's some people facing some situation that seems insurmountable. But we trust and believe somehow you've got an expected end. You've got an expected end, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you created me to worship daily, so I'm gonna leave it all right here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you I want you to do me a favor sister Angelique and her daughter her granddaughter just this past week was killed five years old would have turned six yesterday got family members in the back as well would you stretch your hands toward this family right now that God would touch them and comfort them today there's any hope of peace if there's any possibility of comfort 
It's only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. God, touch this family right now. Beyond our comprehension and understanding, in spite of all the questions and doubts and wondering, God, somehow as only you could do, God, let peace. Let the peace that passes our understanding, let it rest upon each of their minds, God. Let it rest upon each of their minds, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge from our humanity it's it's hard to believe in an expected end that's a good end when we face circumstances such as these. But that's what your word promises. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our understanding. But that's what your word promises, God. Peace, Lord. Peace, Lord. Peace that can only come from you. Peace, God, that can only come from you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. you need to go, you're welcome to go. Thank you for being here this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is still ministering to you, touching you. You continue to let Him do that. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Jesus. 